Hey, RTTN family, welcome to this week's podcast. We just want to take a second and welcome you if you're listening in your car, out for a walk, or you're on your break. We hope this message encourages and helps you in some way today. We pray God blesses you right where you are. Be sure and join in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Just visit rttn.church to check us out and get connected. Enjoy the message. I want you to stand with me quickly this morning. I want us to go right to the Word of God. Hold your tithing offering to the end. Because God gave me an instruction yesterday in prayer regarding the offering that I'm not accustomed to giving. I'm not accustomed to receiving it like that. And neither am I accustomed to giving it to you like that. Most people who've been here a while know that usually every Sunday we take one offering and we don't take a lot of time for it. But God really began to deal with my heart yesterday out of the scripture about the kingdom. And I want to continue the series that we've been talking about the kingdom. Look at someone and tell them the kingdom is the message of this hour. How many believe that? I really believe with all my heart God is stirring up the revelation of the kingdom in the earth because I believe God is sick and tired of churchy mentality. Now he's not sick and tired of the church, but he's sick and tired of churchy mentalities. Because if there's anything that can hinder the kingdom, it's religion itself. And I don't mean like Islam, I mean like Christian religion. Religion can become as much of a hindrance to the kingdom. In fact, I believe the enemy stirs up religious spirits and they are as effective at hindering the progress of the kingdom sometimes as other principalities and powers. And so it takes a real keen discernment and it takes an opportunity, it takes a real... um, Willingness to embrace the opportunity that God is doing something and saying something in our generation that I think is a revelation of the ages. Jesus did not just come preaching how to get saved. He came teaching and preaching how to live in the kingdom. We have a lot of people in the church who are going to heaven, but they don't know how to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven while they're on their way. Jesus came not just to get us out of hell. He came to restore what Adam lost in the garden. Adam had authority and dominion and an assignment but lost it all. Jesus went to a garden like Adam went to. What Adam lost in the first garden, Jesus went to another garden and he submitted himself to the will of God to the point that God gave him the authority to restore what the first Adam had lost. And I want you to understand today, it is our assignment as sons and daughters to continue to embrace and demonstrate the kingdom of God in this earth. Jesus did not just save us. Come on, turn around and touch your pew. Turn around and touch your seat. Feel that warm spot? That's not your only contribution to the kingdom. How many know we're called to do more than warm a pew? Oh, y'all not helping nobody. I said, how many know we're called to do more than warm a pew? Jesus saved us and redeemed us to operate in a kingdom mentality and in a kingdom authority. And I believe that the kingdom revelation and manifestation is in a crescendo right now. It's, anybody know what a crescendo is? A crescendo is a musical element. Can you show them what a crescendo is? That's a crescendo. You see, ready? Here we go, LeBron, ready? That's what the kingdom's doing right now. It starts as a seed. God gives revelation to men and women of God to teach it, and the kingdom begins to. And one day it will crescendo and grow to the point that Jesus will return. 
and will establish his kingdom in such a way that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. We're in the middle and in the process right now of declaring something that is in a growth phase. The earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, that's you. Come on, look over at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, you look 10 pounds lighter than you did last Sunday. Come on, tell him. Listen, my friend Andy Smith is here from iWorship Magazine. God bless you, sir. Can we welcome him? He did an article on our church and on what God is doing in, in this house. He got some of those magazines on the way out. If you'd like to get one, you can pick one up and see what God is doing in the kingdom. There's so much good stuff happening in the kingdom of God. Amen? And we're grateful for the friendship and partnership, sir. We do love and appreciate you. Two places I want you to go. Psalm 119. Let me get my notes out here. Psalm 119, verse 89 and Philippians 3.20. Let's go to Psalm 119 first. Like Elizabeth Taylor told her ninth husband, I won't keep you long. <laughs> Psalm 119, 89. I love the Lord. Anybody love him? Let's read this text together. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. Come on, let's read that together now. It's up on the screen. Let's do it together. Ready? Read. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Let's read it one more time. Get it in our spirit. Forever, O Lord, your is settled Now, go to Philippians 3, verse 20. Let's read this together. Philippians 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in uh, uh, uh. How many know that right there will set enough people free if we believe it? Well, I'm an American citizen. I'm a Caucasian. No, you are first and foremost, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God. Stop allowing people to identify you by an inferior citizenship. I take people off right then. I have not, that, that, we, we're not colorblind in here. Jesus is not colorblind. People say all the time, Jesus is color, Jesus is not colorblind. He created diversity. But how many understand that the conversation that's been happening in America is a divisive tool of the enemy to divide us into camps trying to tell us, well, that's the white church and that's the black church and that's the caramel church. And that. How many know that when it comes to the kingdom, there is only one kingdom and we celebrate all of us, but we recognize we're all one because of the blood. And I don't care, I don't care what color Jesus' skin was, his blood was red, it was holy, and because of his blood, we're all family today. Look at your neighbor and tell him I love you. If you didn't mean it, we're going to have an altar call at the end of service. For our citizenship is in heaven. 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in this series on thy kingdom come. I've talked about the king. I've talked about the citizens and I've talked about the territory. Today I'm going to talk about the constitution of the kingdom. Look at your neighbor tell them the kingdom has a constitution. How many brought your Bible with you? How many brought your Bible with you? Hold your Bible. Turn it on. Lift it up. Say this is the word of God. The constitution of the I feel faith rising in me right now. Say this is the word of God. The constitution of the kingdom of God. Say I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God and I will never be the same again. If you believe that, put your hands together and bless God for his word. Father, help me to teach for the next few moments. I pray that you would give us the grace to receive this word. And I thank you for the power of God that is going to attend this teaching and preaching. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Got to go. Here we go. We have been in a series on the kingdom of God. And it is my prayer that we are becoming less churchy and more kingdom in our thinking. Being less churchy and more kingdom in our thinking is easier said than done. One reason some people have an easier time accepting church than they do the message of the kingdom is because church leaves people feeling like they are in control and in power. But the message of the kingdom always takes you back to the fact that it's the kingdom of God, he's the king, and we're not. In fact, one of the most difficult things for people like you and I who belong, listen to me carefully, one of the great challenges for you and I in accepting the message of the kingdom is that we belong to a republic and we live within the framework of a democracy and we are taught to accept and comprehend that our vote counts, our voice matters, and we are just as significant as the one that we voted in. But democracy is not how God operates in the earth. God never takes a vote to see what he ought to do. And when you start talking to people in a democracy, you go to places like Africa, you go to places in other nations of the earth and you teach on the kingdom, Brother, they will follow the king all the way even if it means they give up their life for him because they're just thankful to be a part of the kingdom. But you come to a place like our nation and I'm thankful for democracy because if you're not going to live in a kingdom, a democracy is the next best way to live. The problem, however, is that God is not just trying to find the next best for us. God has an intention to establish his kingdom on this planet through his people. And his kingdom is not a republic or a democracy. I hate to tell us this, 
but we don't get a vote. I don't get a vote. Somebody asks me all the time, what do you think about fill in the blank? What do you think about this sin? What do you think about that sin? What do you think about that? What do you think about that, Pastor? What do you think? And what I say is, it don't matter what I think. Because it's not my kingdom. As an ambassador of the kingdom, I don't get to import my opinion on the conversation. As an ambassador, I found out what the king says and simply report to those listening what the king is trying to say. My opinion doesn't matter. And one reason we have a problem with the kingdom in America is because in America, all of us have a voice and a vote. And we think we have a voice and a vote when it comes to being people in the kingdom. But I want to remind you that it's his kingdom. It's all his stuff. He has all power. He's the one who has the first say, the middle say, and the final say. And the reality of it is we have to decide if we want to be a part of the kingdom We do not get to decide what the kingdom is going to do. It ain't our kingdom. It's his kingdom. Okay, so we did that. The kingdom called, the king of the kingdom is Jesus Christ. He calls the shots. He owns everything and has all power. We, don't miss this, we are only in the kingdom Because according to John 15, he chose us to be. Our entrance into the kingdom of God was not based on our ability, our worth, or if we could ever earn our way in. Our entrance into the kingdom of God was based solely on the love and the invitation of the king. It doesn't matter your creed, your culture, your color, your DNA, who your daddy is, who your mama is. The only thing that matters when it comes to the kingdom is can you surrender your life to the lordship of the king? His name is Jesus. He came to this earth to established the kingdom that Adam lost and now he says to men and women from all nations places, races, faces in order to be a part of this kingdom all you have to do is say yes to the king now the good news and this is the greatest news I could tell you period this is the greatest news I can tell you period God had a son The son was the king. The king came to establish the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Most people don't want to be a part of a kingdom because of the kind of king that is king over the kingdom. But the best news that I could ever tell you is that the kingdom of God has the most loving, the kindest, the most merciful, long-suffering king that you could imagine. He is not willing that anybody should die before they become a part of this kingdom, but that all should repent and come to the knowledge of his love and goodness. This is the greatest king that you would ever know. There is no reason at all for you and I not to trust King Jesus, who is the king of this kingdom. The king is all loving, all good, all powerful. He is willing, this is good news here, he is willing to share the abundance of his riches and his inheritance 
He is even willing to share his power with each of us, and he actually invited us to be a part of his kingdom. Now, how many know that before you or I ever said, yes, I want to be a part of that kingdom, how many know it would be good to know what the king believed about the citizens of the kingdom? Are you following me? Bef oh, come on in here. Before I say, hey, I want to be a part of that country, I want to know what kind of idea that country has for its citizens. I don't want to be a part of no country where it treats its citizens like garbage. Y'all not talking to nobody today. How many, don't, how many would agree with me, you don't want to be a part of a place that don't take care of its citizens? Well, before you and I ever sign up and enlist to be a part of a kingdom, it makes sense to know the heart of the king and his intention that he has in mind for the citizens of his kingdom. Now, many countries have articulated a constitution for the express intent of providing a cultural framework for its citizens. The constitution of any nation or kingdom is given to create an expectation in the hearts of its citizens as to the kind of life they should expect to live while living as citizens in that kingdom. Every civilized nation on the earth that has ever existed and succeeded has had some form of a constitution. Now, the United States of America has a constitution. And the constitution that, that, that we have produces, listen carefully, produces a general expectation of the kind of life we should expect to live as citizens of the United States of America. And I don't know about you, America has a lot of flaws, but I'm still thankful to be an American today. And we got a lot of work to do, but I'm grateful that we're, a, we're at least a free country and can worship God on Sunday morning like this and lift our hands up and praise the Lord. Anybody else thankful that you're free today? Amen? The United States of America created its own constitution to produce a general expectation of life in the mind of its citizens. America's constitution begins like this. We the people. But the kingdom of God has its own constitution. And our constitution in America begins with we the people. And how many know we the people have made we a mess? <laughs> the constitution of America begins with we the people. The constitution of the kingdom begins with I the Lord. <laughs> this book is God's constitution for his kingdom. And in order to determine the kind of life we should expect to live as citizens in the kingdom of God, he gave us an entire book to articulate and to clearly reveal what you and I should expect as citizens of the kingdom. If this book is nothing more than a book to you, if it's not the word of God to you, you will treat it just like another book that could collect dust on your shelf and it could provide no life and no power for your living. 
But if you believe you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and that God really did come to earth through Christ to establish the kingdom, then this book has got to become more than chicken soup for the Christian soul to you. This book has got to become the constitution of your existence and should define and should articulate and should create an expectation of the kind of life you and I are living while we're on this earth. I am not a citizen of America first. I'm getting ready to holler or something. I am not a citizen of America first. That's why some people are in the mess they are in. They believe that their citizenship in this nation is somehow the reason they're blessed or the reason they have nothing. I want to, oh my God, I just got a breakthrough come. I want to tell you that when you start living like a citizen of the kingdom, nobody who hates you can keep you out of what belongs to you if you know that your father owns it all. Washington doesn't own it all. The Republicans don't own it all. The Democrats don't own it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm getting ready to offend somebody, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. You're not broke because the politics in America are broke. You're broke because your mind is broke. And if you ever stop thinking they can control you and start living by faith, God will line your, these people up and bless you in front of them just to get the glory for Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. You, you getting ready to come into a blessing. Well, what gives you the authority to say that? The Constitution. Lord, I wish I had three hours right now. I feel like preaching all the way down to City Hall. I feel like standing up and hollering aloud today. I feel like preaching until somebody's mind gets transformed. I feel like preaching until somebody changes the way they're acting. I feel like preaching until somebody recognizes that you are not just a pauper trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom. You have a Shandebeosaya. You have authority in Christ. Does anybody feel what I'm feeling right now? The, the constitution of the kingdom defines the expectation of kind of the kind of life we want to live. If you don't examine the constitution, and let it get down in you and define who you are, you will listen to other voices that don't know the Constitution and they'll start telling you who you are and it will be a very different kind of experience than the Constitution told you to expect. And I'm going to tell you, some people who get you screwed up are standing behind pulpits on Sunday. Uh, Brother Wallace, you're talking about preachers. I'm talking about the preachers. 
if the preachers don't understand the kingdom, then they'll have you bringing up the rear all your life and you'll be chasing carrots on a string acting like you're looking for something that already belongs to you. Oh, God. Some of you are begging God for stuff that he already told you you could have. I feel faith breaking out in this church. something in here for a minute. Hallelujah! My Bible's upside down. This is the Constitution. America began its Constitution with we the people. God's kingdom has a Constitution that begins with I the Lord. I feel like today's assignment is to allow the Holy Ghost to take us on a tour of the Constitution of the kingdom so that we can properly grasp the heart of the king. We can understand his desire for those who are citizens of his kingdom. And prayerfully we would leave this place with a revelation of who we are in Christ and who Christ is through us. One more time, hold your Bible up. Come on, get it. Turn it on something. Hold that Bible up high. Say this. Oh, say it with an attitude. Say this is the word of God. It is the Constitution of the Kingdom of God. Say, I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And God is who he said he is. How? If we are going to live the kind of kingdom life this constitution says is rightfully ours by the blood. There is one scripture and instruction in the whole Bible on which everything in the kingdom hinges. It is found in Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, the 33rd verse. And it says like this, seek ye first the kingdom. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach. The kingdom of our God. Well, I'm seeking a ministry, Brother Wallace. I'm seeking a ministry. And I got some little things made, cards and whatnot. And yes, and I, I'm seeking ministry. I'm seeking a title. I'm seeking a degree. I'm, and nothing wrong with seeking, uh, 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 advancing yourself through education and understanding how, how, to, how, to get your, how to get your product in front of the right. I got all that. But the problem is it's really become about you. And not the kingdom. If you can ever get what you're doing to be about the kingdom, God can bless what you're doing. But if what you're doing is really about your name recognition and not his, then don't be surprised if you find yourself having to oil the machine because God's oil won't be on something that is not about his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all. Now, my mama, she raised me and I, I love words. I love to study words. I, I have to restrict myself sometimes from using words. 
that are big because I like to study words that nobody else says and then I say them and nobody else knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I know what all means. Amen. And the last time I checked, all meant all. <laughs> like everything. The kingdom hinges on this one command. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be. I'm saying it again because somebody's faith is starting to grow right here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Some of you have a dream for all these things, but you can't get to all these things until you first start seeking first the kingdom of God. It will not work for you until you prioritize what you're seeking first. That's why some of y'all can't get married. I'm not getting no help on this side. I'm going to come over here. That's why some people can't get married because they keep seeking her or him and they got their own agenda in why they're seeking it. But you might just find your spouse if you make up your mind when you find them. Y'all are going to work together to advance the kingdom. Uh-huh. Yeah, you might want a new job, but it might not open up yet until you get your heart in the place that says when I get this job, it's going to be for and about the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. It's the principle, it's the hinge that the door of the kingdom swings on. You want to come into the kingdom, seek it first. You want to experience the life of the kingdom, the promises of the kingdom, the blessing of the kingdom. You have to put the kingdom at the forefront of your life. Amen. Now, I, I could go a bunch of different directions about the constitution of the kingdom today. But let me just see how far we get into this. Because the, the constitution, the Bible, gives us an expectation of the kind of life we should live as citizens of the kingdom of God. My prayer is that if we're teaching something that you're not living, instead of you not living in it and trying to explain why you don't have it, my prayer is that this will change how you're thinking until what you have is what the book said you could have and be who the book said you ought to be. If your reality doesn't look like the Constitution, stop complaining and blaming God and start saying, God, I'm going to start believing this until what it says about me begins to happen like the Constitution said it should happen. So, so the first thing I want to talk about, and let, me, let me just see how far we get into this, is, is kingdom protection. The constitution of the kingdom, listen to this carefully. How many citizens of the kingdom do I have in here right now? Girl, you better shout. Scare me half to death. Hallelujah. I say, how many, how many citizens do we have of the kingdom of God right now? Okay. I'm getting ready to talk to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's getting ready to talk. To you. And everybody in here. Listen. The constitution of the kingdom. Hold up your constitution. Hold up your constitution. The constitution of the kingdom assures every citizen in the kingdom will experience divine protection. Who 
wants to live in a kingdom of constant terror and fear? God never wanted his citizens to be afraid and terrified. In order for a kingdom to be sustainable and last, it must have a military presence. There's got to be an army to protect the kingdom. Now, I want to fix a little something here. God has an army in the kingdom. And we often run around acting like it's us. But I'm not the army. I'm the bride. Y'all not going to help nobody. I'm not the army. I'm a believer. Uh-huh. Well, Brother Wallace, if I'm not the army, who is? I'm glad you asked. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, be the bride. Say, stay intimate with the king. But let's let the army be the army. Oh, y'all didn't have to say that, but I'm glad you did anyway. Yes, <laughs> Look at this, look at this. Somebody said, somebody said, who is the army? Psalm 78, verse 49. He dispatched against the enemies a band of destroying angels. Psalm 103, verse 20. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Verse 21, Psalm 103, verse 21. Praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Now, we do have warfare, and we do fight, and we do put on the whole armor of God for our personal faith. But we are not the army of God. We are the bride. We are believers. We are the body. We're the ecclesia. Come on, you've heard me teach this before. But we do have an army, and it's greater than you and I. It's the angelic host of heaven that at one moment can be dispatched and destroy an entire city with one swoop of a sword. You say, well, Brother Wallace, I don't know that I have an angel. Read your Bible. Psalm 91 said that when you walk in the fear of the Lord, angels pitch a tent and camp out around you and watch over you all night and all day. In fact, if you ever get yourself in a mess and it looks like the devil tripped you into a pit, before you hit the bottom of the pit, he will catch you and rescue you. Lest your foot shall dash against the stone. I feel like God wants me to tell you angels are watching over you night and day. Somebody give God praise. All night and all day, angels watching. Remember that song we used to sing over the babies? You were just getting ready to tell them when my kids were little. Oh, glory to God. Stand up, Isaiah. You ain't little no more. It'd be weird if I picked you up to rock you right now. Oh, but when he was little, I used to walk in his room. I'd pick him up and lay him on my arm. Yeah, I'd walk around and sing all night, all day. Angels watch.
watching over you, my baby. And I'm telling you right now, I know some of you have been in a mess before and you're sitting here wondering how you ever got out of that car accident. Some of you have been in a mess before and you're sitting here wondering how you didn't get your head blown off. Some of you are sitting here wondering, how am I still alive? I felt like I ought to explain it to somebody. God had angels that were watching. Slap your neighbor, tell them angels got you covered. Angels got you covered. Angels got you covered. Everywhere I go, every day I wake up, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And the angels of the Lord have been camped round about the Lord. I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to only get through this one. Oh, Lord, help me next time. Help me to know how to do this, Lord. You need to know this, that heaven has an army of angels. Not chubby cherubs with a little bow and arrow. Oh, no. No, no. There is a reason every time somebody saw an angel in the Bible, they immediately had to tell the person who saw the angel, chill out, don't fear. There's a reason why they told them to fear not, because they were afraid. And if you saw a 10-foot glowing being with a sword as tall as that rod over there, you'd be afraid too. But God was trying to tell his people, the angel didn't show up to terrify you. The angel showed up to deliver you, to deliver you and to watch over you. Lord have mercy. And God wants you to know that this angel army is assigned to the citizens of the kingdom of God. How many citizens of the kingdom are in here? Angels have been assigned to your life. Why is this important? Because we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. Look at your neighbor, tell them we are in a war. Uh Uh-huh. The reason... The reason you need to know about the army of heaven is because you haven't, if you haven't felt it already, you will. We are in a war. It is the battle of the ages. And one of Satan's greatest weapons on the battlefield is the weapon of fear. There is a reason Satan has such a desire to bring fear upon the citizens of the kingdom of God. Because according to 1 John, fear has torment. Fear paralyzes. If you and I are more conscious of the enemy than we are of Jesus, we will spend our lives as citizens of the kingdom of God, but will never enjoy the peace and joy intended for God's citizens. Y'all not helping nobody. Satan will threaten, lie, condemn, Trash talk, accuse, attack, insult, confuse, stir up, hinder, harass. He will do everything he can to halt your progress in the kingdom of God. He will keep you up at night. He will steal everything that you let him. But I came to remind you of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he gave you love, power, and a sound mind. Slap your neighbor. Karate chop your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, hey neighbor. I don't know why you're afraid. I don't know why you're losing sleep. I don't know 
know why you're losing your joy. I don't know why you can't rest at night. God has promised you're going to have victory. You're going to have power. I'm going to give you some constitution. Citizens of the kingdom are told not to fear. God told Abraham, fear not. God told Moses, fear not. God told Joshua, fear not. God told the servant of Elisha, fear not. God told Jehoshaphat, fear not. God told David, fear not. God told Peter, fear not. God told the disciples, fear not. God told the elect in Revelation, fear not. Why? Because it is the assignment of the enemy to terrorize and to bring constant torment to citizens in the kingdom of God. But I want to remind you what the word says. Look at somebody tell them Constitution says. The Constitution says in Psalm chapter 3, many are they increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they which say of my soul there is no help for him or her in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. You want some more Constitution? Psalm 27 said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall Shall I be afraid? When my enemies came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. One thing I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever to behold his beauty. That ain't enough for you. I got some more constitution. Psalm chapter 121. How many know that God said in the day of trouble, he would be like a shield from the sun by day and the moon by night. Psalm 91 said a thousand may fall at my hand, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto you. Only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. There is protection. Oh, there is protection. This, I'm closing, explains how you're still here. You're not here because you are an expert driver. You're not here because a wonder drug worked out. You're not here because of your hookups and your sugar daddies and your last name and your pedigree. You're here for one reason. God protected his citizens from the attack. Oh God, I'm looking over here and I saw yeah, I'm looking over here and I see people. I'm seeing people right now. I'm seeing Sister Christine. And we were in the hospital for days and weeks. And I don't know where Andrew went. He's probably in a corner crying and praying somewhere. But, but we were in the hospital for days and weeks. And doctors come out. And doctors said, she's not going to make it. And we were trying to figure out how we were going to tell people that this beautiful young lady is getting ready to die. But her husband said, oh, no, not my wife. My wife ain't getting ready to die. No, no. No, no, no. My wife ain't getting ready to die. And every day we walked in that place, I saw her do something on that day that she couldn't do the next the day before. Hell, I feel like telling somebody. 
slap three people tell the neighbor God's got you covered God's got you covered angels are watching over your life angel the devil can't do what he wants to if the devil could have he would have already took you out but there is a reason that you're still here there is a reason that you're still alive God ain't through with you yet and as long as you're on this planet you're a citizen of the kingdom and you're protected there's a reason Dean Sachs is still alive when the motors and engines went out on his plane because when, when engines died, angels got to work. I can see it. Ooh. One angel got up under one wing and one angel got up under the other wing and said, let's take this baby down real slow. Don't I help nobody. Ah, tune me up. I remember a couple of years ago, I went to preach for Pastor Rod Parsley. Me and Chris... We left church after church on Sunday. We ran to the airport, got a plane. Got on a plane, flew to Atlanta, flew from Atlanta to Columbus. We get ready to land in Columbus and go preach. I got just a few minutes to get there. All of a sudden, the pilot comes on. And the pilot said, we have an issue. The landing gear isn't releasing. Now I'm sitting here I am, 6'4", 285 pounds. I'm sitting between Chris and this big, tall, gothic dude. All black, black nails, black lipstick, black eyes, black hair. Jesus. And this dude comes on the intercom and says, we got a problem, the landing gear won't come down. So I looked at Chris, he said, this is crazy. I said, I know, give me your hand. I took his hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that stuff to get loose right now. And I looked over at the Gothic brother and I warned him. I said, I'm getting ready to do something that might freak you out. I said, so I'm warning you right now. And he looked at me like this. He said, what are you talking about? And I said, I found out when the plane needs to land and the gear won't drop, people who don't even like Jesus, all of a sudden they don't care what you sound like. They start pulling on you and they say, pray preacher, pray preacher. And I said, oh my Shia, in the Moshe, in the name of Jesus, I command that landing gear to come down. True story. All of a sudden I heard, and the landing gear popped and the wheels come down and we landed that plane. Oh, Somebody said, what happened? I believe an angel grabbed that wheel and said, you gotta come down right now. Hold oh, on. I'm through. I'm through. The Constitution says he will watch over you all night. In fact, this is going to get crazy right here. But the Constitution says while you're sleeping, God is going to stay up all night long. 
and watch over all your stuff. Ah, I wish I could find somebody to get thankful that while you're sleeping tonight, God's going to stay up all night long. Somebody said, did you know that in the Bible? The Bible said, he that keepeth me will never slumber and he'll never sleep. Touch three people, tell him he's got you covered. He's got you covered. Oh, Lord. I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. I don't know what you want to do, but I want to take 15 seconds right now. I want to cut my feet loose and I want to praise God. Stand with me. Oh, Lord. He's got you covered. Angels of the Lord. I was 19 years old in a nine-week revival. I was in Paytown, North Carolina, 19 years old in a nine-week revival. We went 30 straight nights in revival, no break. It was crazy. Back then, I could do that. If I preached 30 straight nights in a row right now, oh, you'd have to carry me. Jesus. But back then, I could do it. I'm 19 years old, and I preached every night straight for 30 nights. And on the 30th night, the pastor looked at me and said, I think we need to take a little bit of a breather. I said, let the Lord have his way. We took a couple days, and I just slept and rested. And about the fourth day of the break, they took me to this lake. And they said, let's just have a day of cooking out. We'll, we got some jet skis. We're hanging out on this lake. I drove up, and the lake said, the safest lake in America. Oh, God. I got out there on that thing, and I'd never been on a jet ski a day in my life. And I was running. My cheeks were touching my ears. I was running 60 miles an hour on a lake. I was having the time of my life. And there was this other fool, I mean other man. And he was coming to the side of the lake I was on and I was going to the side of the lake he was on. So I'm hundreds of yards away from him, but we're both getting it. And you know me, there ain't no slowing down in me. I just said, okay, I'm gonna go away from him. Well, every time I made a move, that fool made the same canceled out move. I turned right, he was going left. I turned left, he came back right. Before I know it, I'm from here to that pole right there. And I'm thinking, how to do something? We're about to hit each other. And I made one last move, and he made one last move, and he hit me going 60 miles an hour. He hit me in the side of the jet ski. I hit the jet, the, the, the force, the impact was so hard that I broke a steel steering column in half. Poof. And when it threw me off, my leg caught the steering column 
and all of my friends, I'm in the, I'm in the water bleeding to death, and all my friends thought, let's just splash them. So not only am I bleeding to death, they're drowning me. I'm flailing away, praying in the spirit, in and out of consciousness, true story. I'm praying in the spirit, in and out of consciousness, underwater, I'm bleeding to death. I finally mustered up the strength to look at my best friend, Jeremy. I said, help. And he could see the desperation on my face. And I lifted my leg up out of the water. And he immediately knew we have a serious problem here. I'm out in the middle of a lake in a place I've never been before. I ain't married to Devin. My mama ain't there. All I'm with is some old fogies and my best friend. And one of them can't drive a jet ski. He didn't hurt me. I'm laying in there. I'm, oh, I'm dying, Lord. Woe is me. But I kept praying. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. All of a sudden, this is a true story. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm out a mile away from land. They're getting ready to tie my hands to the back of a jet ski and drag me to the shore with my leg. I'm dying. And they're getting ready. How creative. With friends like that, who needs an enemy? I mean, they got me, I look like some kind of hog. They get ready to drag me back. On my back, I'm dying, my leg is hanging out, I'm oh God. All of a sudden, true story, this girl drives up in this big old boat with a deck on it. She's like, oh my gosh. I was totally just tanning by the pool and something spoke to me and told me I should go out in the lake. And like, oh my gosh. And I'm sitting there going, Father. She was Methodist. She told me, she said, I'm totally like Methodist and like, I've been reading this book about hearing the voice of God. True story. At that point, I wanted to die. I just wanted to say, go ahead and take me. Lord. I can't handle her. I can't handle her no more. They got in the water and they pushed me up on this dock of the boat, this deck of the boat, and they drove me back. This is what happened. I could see laying on this deck when they pulled me up, I could look down between my feet and I could see the ambulance. They had already called an ambulance and they were waiting on me to get there. I could see two women who were the techs, the medics, and I'm thinking this deck that I'm on is six feet below the dock that they got to get me up to. The men that were with me were trying to rescue the, <laughs> the jet ski before it completely sank in the water, so they're not with me. And I thought, I'm thinking to myself, in and out of consciousness, there is no way these two ladies and my best friend are going to be able to lift me up six feet. And I really at that time couldn't move. Wildest thing ever, I saw a man come walking down the dock this is a true story. He got down over the edge of the dock. He helped my best friend and these two ladies pick me up. They put me on a, a gurney and they began to take me down this dock. And I'm looking between my feet as I'm getting rolled to the ambulance, which was here to the back door. I see this man take off running. He hopped up in the ambulance prepped things, pulled things down, opened up stuff, made syringes. I'm watching it all happen through my feet. 
They picked me up, put me in that ambulance. That man was in the ambulance until I got in it. When I got in it, he went out the side door. I'm laying on the gurney. I turn to the left. I see the man, and here's what he did. Shuts the door. You ever had that experience where you feel your hair raise up on your head? I'm dying. And the only question I could ask that woman was, who is that man? And the woman looked at me. I'll never forget this. She said, what man? I said, that man. She said, what man? I said, that man who hopped up in this ambulance and prepared what you're putting on my leg. They had to stop the bleeding. When we got to the hospital, the doctor looked at me and said, I do not know how you have not bled to death. He showed me how close it got to the main vein in my leg. It just nicked it. And they were able to stitch it. I am still here, but by the grace of God. Who was that man who got up in that ambulance that day? You can think whatever you want to think. You've already drawn your own conclusions. But I know who that was. All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day angels watching over me I'm going to teach next week on kingdom provision or that whenever we get to I'm, going to, I'm, not, I'm not through with this series yet I thought we finished today this is too good to stop now Yesterday in prayer, God said, Kevin, when you come to tithe and offering tomorrow, I don't want you to take tithe and offering like you normally do. He said, I want you to provoke and challenge the people to put the kingdom first. How many need God to supernaturally add? And I'm not just talking about money, but I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about an opportunity, an open door. You need a real breakthrough from God in an area in your life. You need God to add something to you. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you right now. If you don't have faith for it, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to feel weird that you're not raising your hand. I don't want anybody to feel weird. But some of you need God to go to work for you. You need God to add something. I called Devin yesterday. She'll tell you this is true. I called her four times. She was at a birthday party and wouldn't answer my phone call. I'm like, girl, Next time I called, never mind, that ain't what I said. I'm just kidding. I was like, Dev, I got a word. She's like, really? What God saying to you? I said, I understand something now. Have you ever been blessed by God in a way, and when he does it, you start saying, what did I do to deserve that? Has anybody ever had that happen for you? How many would like to have that happen? Where God bless you in such a way, and you start going, what did I do for this? I had, an, I had a revelation yesterday, Dean, it hit me so strong. I thought, how and why has God been so generous and kind and good to us? 
because I've dropped the ball so many times and I've messed up so many times and I didn't do the smart thing so many times. Why has God been so good to us? And here's what God said to me. I was reading Matthew 6, 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And it, it all of a sudden dawned on me. The things that God has added to my life has not been about what I deserved. It is a byproduct of having a priority to demonstrate and seek first the kingdom of God. The night before we got the first $4 million miracle to pay off the debt at Utawa, the night before it, Dean Sykes was there, he can testify it happened. We gave away the largest seed in the history of this church at that time. And do you know who we gave it to? Two pastors in this city. Inner city churches that were struggling, one of them struggling just to keep the lights on. And I knew he was a man of faith. He loved Jesus and preached the truth. And I said, I want to bless that man of God. And I want to bless this other man of God in his church. Our church gave the greatest gift we ever gave on Sunday night at a deacon's meeting. On Monday afternoon at lunch, we saw heaven open up over our lives. What's your point, Pastor? Some of you need God to open something up for you. You need a miracle from God. God said it can't be added until you prioritize the kingdom. If God were to add it without you having the right priority, it would jeopardize your ability to contain, hold, and steward the blessing he's getting ready to give because the last thing you need is to have something that you cannot steward properly. So how do I know I'm ready to steward it? What are you seeking? We're not here because I'm smart and everybody in leadership is genius. We're here because we got one agenda, seek the kingdom first. And a bunch of stuff has been added and will be added in our future. I said, has been added and will be added in the future. I want you to get what you had prepared in one hand right now. Whatever you were going to give today. If it's online or by text, I want you to get your phone or your whatever in your hand that you gave it on. If you give in the altar, I want you to get that in your hand right now. But the other hand is for a seed you did not prepare or think about giving. This is the kingdom first. That's what the Lord told me to call it in prayer yesterday. And if you go here and have been here any amount of time at all, I don't do this very often at all. God said to me in prayer yesterday morning, I want you to invite people who need the kingdom to be added. I want you to invite them to give a kingdom first offering. It's on your giving tab. You can write it in on another envelope. Kingdom first. That's what I want you to put on it. How do I know what to give to this pastor? You'll know what to give because you're going to feel it leave. You're going to feel it leave. It's going to feel significant to you. Your, your mind's going to try to talk you out of it. Your logic is going to tell you, man, that's a little bit long. That's a little bit much. God, are you sure? God says, seek the kingdom first. Put the kingdom first. 
and some other things are going to be added to it. I don't understand how he does it, Andy, but God will take what we give and add stuff back to it. Some of you are businessmen in this place. You need God to breathe on your business. Put the kingdom first right now. Some of you have an invention and you have a thought and you have a download and a strategy and you need God to breathe on it. Put the kingdom first and watch God touch what your hands are on. It's not that the idea is wrong or the invention won't work or the job's not coming. It's that God's waiting for you to put the kingdom first in your priority and your seeking. I know this ain't for everybody, but somebody needs this opportunity today. If you need God to add something to your life, lift your hand one more time. Oh, my Shia. Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed and don't be afraid. Somebody say, what is this? This feels weird. No, it don't feel weird. This isn't supposed to be weird. This is how the kingdom operates. We won't harvest without sowing seed. God's fixing to give a greater harvest than the seed you're getting ready to sow. Lord, you see every hand that needs you to add to their lives. Today we're bringing tithe and a kingdom first offering. Somebody's got their hand up because their child needs a scholarship to college. Somebody's got their hand up because they need you to breathe on their business. Somebody's got their hand up because they need a financial breakthrough in their home. I declare over every hand lifted right now that signifies, identifies, Lord, I need, to, I need you to add to my life. I declare over them right Somebody's getting ready to get an internet strategy. I don't even know what this is. But there is something that is going to flourish in the realm of the internet. It's going to be online. It's going to be something that's not really taken off online yet, but it's going to take off online. God's going to birth something in someone's heart. He's already birthed it. This is a confirmation. Somebody's going to get a download from heaven. I just declare over you right now, heaven's getting ready to add to your life. Kingdom first. With the gift you're getting ready to give, you're just simply saying, you can have it all, God. You can have it all. How many have ever, oh Lord, don't make me do this. How many have ever given everything you had to God? <clears throat> How many would agree it's easier to give everything you have to God when you have $10 as opposed to 10000 Y'all not being real. The most blessed people I know, and I know different people all over the world that are blessed, among all of them, some of the most blessed people I know are people who gave everything they had away first. Kingdom first. Shifts are getting ready to happen in mentalities. You can't give a kingdom first offering and it be significant and it not impact how you think about the kingdom when you leave this building. Because some of you are fixing to give a gift that's going to shift your lunch plans. Instead of going to Ruth's Chris, you're going to McDonald's. You say, Pastor, that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. Until you get that crazy, you're not kingdom first. This ain't for everybody. It's okay. Somebody's getting ready to experience true supernatural blessing from God. And it's coming on the heels of a kingdom first moment. 
And I'm going to give that opportunity for every person to give right now. After we give, I'm going to bless you and we're going to be done. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to be done. You can go online. You can give by text. If you're giving your tithe, give tithe. But if you're giving in addition to the tithe, the kingdom first offering, I just want you to put onto their kingdom first. And I want you to give in out of your heart the kind of seed you need to produce the harvest you're praying for. Father, in Jesus' name, I prayed. And last night at intercessory prayer, the intercessors heard it. Next level in generosity. Next level in blessing. Next level of increase and grace and anointing. You are not finished. You are just getting started. Teach us how to live with kingdom priorities. We thank you for kingdom protection. Today, God, as we give this offering, we give under the shadow of your wing and the protection of your kingdom. And for that, we are thankful. Everyone that can, you can give online. You can come and bring it to the altar. You can give by text. I want you just to give the tithe and offering to, the God this, to God this morning. May the Lord bless you as you give today. Kingdom first. Kingdom first. Kingdom, put him first. Put him first. Jesus, we thank you. Lift our hand. Let's all lift our hands to God. I want to bless you. I know people are leaving, going to get kids. You can't leave church till you get benedicted over. You got to seal this thing. Lord, I bless our people right now. I pray over them that this week will be full of divine kingdom protection. Watch over them, provide for them, increase them, bless them coming in and going out. In Jesus' name, if you're blessed and you know it, say amen. Wednesday night, don't miss Wednesday night, 7 p.m. It's going to be powerful. Make sure you get your hope bags filled and bring them back next Sunday. Devin and I love you. Have a blessed week, family. Go in the peace of the Lord. Hey, Chattanooga. You're invited to Hope at the Miller. Join Pastors Kevin and Devin Wallace with Redemption to the Nation's Church on April 28th at 10 a.m. Bring your family as we worship together downtown at Miller Park. For details, visit rttn.church.